Hello and welcome to the Date Night Movie Podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Russell. With me is my co-host, Ashley Russell. Hello. This is a show where each week, Ash and I, we talk about a new movie that's playing in theaters and we break it down whether we thought it was good or bad and whether or not it would make for a good date movie. On this episode, we're talking about Richard Jewell. This is the new film from director Clint Eastwood and is based on actual events. The IMDb plot summary reads... American security guard Richard Jewell saves thousands of lives from an exploding bomb at the 1996 Olympics, but is vilified by journalists in the press who falsely report that he was a terrorist. This movie has a 73% on Rotten Tomatoes, and it pretty much bombed this weekend with a 5 million opening, which would be one of Clint's worst openings ever. I wonder why, though. I mean, our theater was packed. It was. Yeah, I mean, that's, I mean, Saturday night uh, on an opening weekend, it got an A cinema score. So, I mean, a movie like this, you know, adults, in the lead up before Christmas, adults are hard to get into a theater because they're they're preoccupied with Christmas parties. This is a rated R movie, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I mean, adults, yeah, adults are preoccupied. I mean, they got Christmas shopping, Christmas parties, whatever. Adults really show up after Christmas to the movies. Well, when they're, when they're off. Work. Ex- exactly. Exactly. I think the hope is that uh, this movie will kind of leg out through the holidays, but with an opening this low, it's going to be hard for them to hold on most of their screens. I mean, you got Star Wars coming. A lot of hype movies coming up. I, I don't know if, if it gets very, it'll, it'll hold out. It gets very competitive for screens yeah. uh, this time of year. Uh, absolutely. And so, yeah, this is a, a terrible opening. So unless it holds in, in some amazing way, yeah, it, it'll be gone pretty soon. <laughs> so that's, yeah, I mean, that, I guess that's kind of a shame. Because it's not, it's certainly not a terrible movie. No, I, I actually thought it was a really good movie. <laughs> there was some controversy. Yes. It mainly has to do with the character of Kathy Scruggs, who's yeah. played by Olivia Wilde. Uh, Kathy Scruggs is a real person. She passed away years ago. So she couldn't defend herself. But basically, her basically her family and also the newspaper that she worked at. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution. They, uh, they object to the way she's portrayed in this film. And it's not hard to see why. I mean, she's portrayed, I mean, borderline criminal, (laughs) completely unethical, the way she approaches her work. Well, I mean, she uses sex to get where she wants to go. Yeah. I mean, point blank. I mean, she uses her sexuality, her good looks to get what she needs. And she, it doesn't make her look like a thorough reporter. Oh, no. As far as getting all the facts, she just gets tidbits of information and then releases it out to the masses before, you know, getting a second source, before getting anything. The depiction makes her look cartoonishly evil. Yeah. And completely unethical in her approach to her job. And so, yeah, there's been a lot of pushback uh, just from people who knew her. And they they really dispute this film's depiction. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if that like kept people away. I, I don't. I don't think most people care. I mean, it was so long ago, right? And 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 then we live in Atlanta, so you know this is kind of you know this happened in what ninety six. Yeah, I think. I mean, this movie bombing. It's. I mean, it's a it's an adult drama. <laughs> uh, you know, it doesn't have a movie star in the central role. You have Paul Walter Hauser. Uh, Kathy Bates, though, love Kathy Bates. Sure. <laughs> Is she is she like a big ticket draw? I would like I like to go see <laughs> Kathy Bates. I love Kathy Bates. No, she's she's great. She's great in this. I uh, love her in uh, American Horror Story. <laughs> I, haven't, I haven't seen her in it. Yeah, she's awesome. She's she's always great. I mean, she's yeah. an Oscar winning actress. Um, I think she's having the time of her life right now. Yeah, I mean, she doesn't really. I she mean, has all kinds of roles. 
she can pick and choose what she wants to work on, and and they're all so different. And I thought I thought she was excellent in this. She's yeah. really great, and uh, Paul Walter Hauser is great in this. That who who's the lead guy? Paul Walter Hauser. Oh yeah yeah yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah he's the lead. That's uh, I, I would have to assume that's why maybe this didn't pull in a whole lot of people. Just... Well, you don't have the sex appeal. <laughs> I mean, let's be real. I mean, you really don't. You have Olivia Wilde. Sure. You have John Hamm. John Hamm plays an FBI agent. Who is awful in this movie. He's maybe the worst FBI agent. On the planet. Ever. I, I, I mean, depicted by this movie, obviously. Yeah, as depicted by this movie. I would really hate to think of an FBI agent worse at his job <laughs> than John Hamm in this movie. It is, it is stunning. He's another kind of cartoonishly written character. Yeah. His character doesn't make any sense, honestly. And we'll, I mean, we'll get into that. I will tell you, like, the emotion leaving this movie, I was severely pissed off. Yeah, that's what this movie aims to do. And I mean, the- do you think that's because of Clint's conservative look on life and how the media is portrayed now is kind of portrayed like that? And he's bringing it into his art. This movie definitely gives him and the screenwriter, Billy Ray, ample opportunity to vilify the mm-hmm. press. To vilify the media, yeah. journalists, and that's what this movie does. It's real. It's real quick. Like you, it, after seeing this movie, like you don't trust the the system. You don't trust the journalists. Like you don't trust anybody. You don't trust your friends because they're coming over with wiretaps. And what Olivia Wilde does is horrible. But what John Hamm's character, and the, he's playing a fictional character. He's playing kind of an, an amalgamation of different FBI types. <laughs> That could be why his character barely makes any sense. Yeah. Because it's completely made up. <laughs> yeah, but what, what his character does to me is completely unforgivable and completely inexcusable. It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> like, this is a guy who doesn't have any interest in really doing his job. He's not following the evidence. He's just no. following a profile that's fictionalized profile. It makes no sense. It makes no sense why he'd like... As a, again, as depicted by this movie, and we know this movie maybe kind of stretches some facts. According to this movie, he doesn't really pursue any other leads. They just no. drill right into Richard Jewell. Yeah. Because he, he was there? Because he was the first one to find the bomb. Because he was there. I mean, what in and the hell? And because he's like the unusual... And John and he's Hamm's, unusual. He's just He's awkward. quirky. Let's, he's, yeah, let, let's, let, let's start from the beginning. Uh, this way, it follows Richard Jewell. Yep, and he's played here by Paul Walter Hauser. This is a guy in his thirties. Uh, he works as a security guard. He lives with his mom, played by Kathy Bates. And so it's established pretty early on that Richard is extremely dedicated to his work. Maybe a bit overzealous. Uh, he's fired from a job early on for impersonating an officer, and so and pulling wh- people over on the on the highway. That what was like drunken drivers? No, I think it was just speeding or i don't i don't he was just pulling kids over on the highway definitely overstepping his bounds and so one night while he's working security at uh centennial park here in atlanta during the 1996 olympics he discovers a suspicious package and because he's so by the book he's he's very straight arrow very thorough and what he does he calls in a bomb official to investigate the bag which kind of pisses everyone off. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's more work for everyone. <laughs> but it turns out that it's a huge pipe bomb. And so Richard helps the officers kind of clear the area. A lot of people won't even listen to this guy. He tries clearing out a room at one point, 
And they're like, well, you know, when the cops get here, we'll, yeah. then, then we'll leave. When the real <laughs> cops get here. And so, yeah, when they find out it's a pipe bomb, he's, he's shouting for people to get going. And it's, yeah. it's a, I have to imagine this is pretty close to reality in that, like, people are really slow to leave. Like, you just, you kind of see, like, a small group leaving. And just very gradually, people kind of get the clue, like, oh, something's going on. Like, the music is still playing. I don't know why they didn't pull the music. Like, if yeah. you... I mean, well, they didn't want. I mean, you pull the music so you can get people's attention. It's the way it plays out is strange. Yeah, but it seems plausible that it would a scenario like that would play out kind of haphazard. Well, because like they that. probably didn't want to alarm people and then have people go running off in every direction. They wanted to really well, kind of control well, the situation. Well, giant pipe bomb. I mean, you <clears throat> cut when you see a giant pipe bomb, you cut. Like Kenny Loggins or whoever the hell is on stage, you cut yeah. that music and you tell people to get the hell out of Dodge. Yeah, I would say, but that's not how it goes on. He, yeah, he helps them. He helps them clear the area, and then the bomb explodes. In the aftermath, he's declared a hero for his quick thinking and his resourcefulness. But the FBI, for various reasons, <laughs> they zero in on him as the number one suspect. Yeah, for like three months, th- this goes on. I mean, they just kind of tear open his life. They he destroy his life. They, they get into his house. Um, they, they bug his phone. Once Olivia Wilde kind of gets wind of this, she sort of runs it prematurely. Yeah. And then that triggers like a media firestorm. And so now this guy, like he can't go anywhere. He has to like stay cooped up in his house. It's, it's basically ruined his life. And there's a real sadness to the fact that like this guy living under the radar, living an unassuming uneventful life is part of something sensational and you know rises to the occasion does something incredible only to be kicked in the gonads and then yeah that victory is taken away from him yeah very shortly thereafter so he had one line in the movie that was just like you know my mom had one day to be happy for me or happy that i'm her son kathy bates is really great in this because i mean it can't be easy to see you know your 30 year old son still living with you and (laughs) When when he has this victory, I, she's just blown away and just overjoyed by just the positive attention that he's getting and just the amazing thing that he did. Yeah. And then, yeah, once it all kind of goes to hell and the FBI just kind of gets up in there, I mean, she's barely holding it together. And Kathy Bates does a great job selling that. It, it's really, it's devastating. And you know what pissed me off? If this really would happen, what went down, it's really shameful. The FBI to get yeah him the FBI into an interview room the very first time they told him that it was going to be a training video they tried to trick him into signing a paper waiving admit, his Miranda rights uh, admitting that he was read his Miranda rights even yeah. though he wasn't read his Miranda rights yeah and it's so awkward how it plays out. And it's it's clear like John Hamm's character it, like doesn't know what the hell he's doing. Well, he thinks the guy is stupid, and and you know he he comes well, yeah, he's, off as slow, but he he's knows testing the the law very well. He's testing how dumb this guy is. Yeah. Uh, I think to a degree for sure. I mean, you build a case with evidence. I mean, you don't like trick people into admissions of guilt. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's yeah that's nuts i mean if that's how it really went down but again i mean who who knows i mean this movie is written for dramatic effect i mean yeah i mean there's probably some we know for sure olivia wilde's olivia wilde's character is for sure exaggerated i mean her character you know the 
overly ambitious journalist who kind of like sleeps her way to the top, even if that is a dead-on depiction of who this woman is, it's a pretty cliched, reductive it is, yeah. female depiction. I mean, we've seen it way too many times, and we don't need to keep seeing it. City girl in the fast life. If you're, yeah, if you're gonna depict her like, <laughs> like as this, at least give her some kind of motivation for why she is this well, way. Don't make her a whore. Sure. I mean, <laughs> you least, you can you can have yeah, a strong, ideally. pushy, aggressive female without making and, her a straight up whore. <laughs> making her overly sexed. Yeah. You know, trying to get information. She's banging you know. like the whole police squad, pretty much. I mean, you know, <laughs> it's what this movie's implying. Yeah, I don't blame anyone who knew her in real life for taking offense at this. And so, yeah, I mean, that's that's the thrust of the movie. Richard Jewell, he hires a lawyer who's played by Sam Rockwell. Who's really good in it. Well, what I notice, yeah. what I notice is like all the characters that the movie is sympathetic towards, right? Like Richard Jewell, his lawyer, his mom. They get great, very kind of layered characters they to do. play. It's very complex. Yeah, but the characters that the movie is not on the side of, clearly uh, the movie thinks should be vilified, like the FBI and like Olivia Wilde's Kathy Scruggs, they get cartoon characters. And I just, I wish like the level of nuance that they give Richard Jewell and his family, yeah. they applied to the but antagonizing they, forces. No, I mean, I get that, but I mean, nobody's got time to I guess it'll be like a three-hour com- movie. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you know, you, you get into the complexity of a character that's important. I mean, yeah, those characters are important, but they're antagonists. I mean, you don't have to really give them complexity. You need you need to give them motivations. Like, what is motivating this FBI agent to I come mean, after... I find the find the bomber who... But again, why this guy? Why this guy? There's no evidence. There, there had to have been some sort of motivation. Well, I think they, you know, did background checks on all the pe- all the police people that were there, and then come to find out that Richard Jewell imp- impersonated a police officer. He's got some things on his background check. One of his ex employers just kind of tosses him under the bus. That that is yes, exactly. I mean, so, shameful. I think, I think that is, you know, he was at a university and the dean of that university called the FBI yeah. and with you nothing, know, with nothing. <laughs> like, let me tell you a story about nothing. This guy's weird. Look into him. <laughs> Terrible. Don't do that. And I just, like, just like, yeah, just mind your own business. But just I think shut that up. that's how everything got focused on Richard Jules because that kicked of it off. Sure. The, the Piedmont yeah. College dean at the time. Yeah. And I think uh, what I read is that Richard Jewell, you know, towards the end of his life, he actually won several libel suits against uh, some media companies and against that professor, I believe. Yeah. And he 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 got kind of like a small fortune just in in libel, <laughs> uh, well, deservedly. The, the deservedly. One, the one um, company that he didn't get that libel suit was the Atlanta Constitution, because I mean, what they reported was the truth. They reported that the FBI was investigating. Yeah. Which is the truth. And, and, and so they, they why, couldn't really like, yeah. they couldn't really go and sue him. That's why, I mean, this movie really, it really works to vilify Olivia Wilde and, uh, you know, the journalists associated with the case. But it's really the FBI. Yeah. That is completely shameful. They they took apart the mother's <clears throat> house. They raided it all. Um, you know, come to find out he had a couple of weapons. 
a bunch of weapons. A bunch of weapons. Assault I mean, rifles. But he has a you know, concealed weapons permit and you know, the whole nine. Sam Rockwell asked him, he's like, are you planning for like a zombie apocalypse? <laughs> I'm like, no, I'm just planning for deer. <laughs> I like to go hunting. <laughs> I like hunting. <laughs> with, an, with an assault rifle, yeah. Well, you see him practicing with an assault rifle at the... Sure. Sure. The, There's the shooting range. I, I, again, I like that the movie doesn't portray him as a straight up saint. It, I mean, it portrays all of his quirks. Yeah. All of his, you know, potential red flags. Yeah. The, the movie portrays. This is a guy who, you know, could could make you a little uneasy. <laughs> but I mean, they took everything. They took Tupperware. They took yeah. everything. They couldn't find any. They're taking her Tupperware. Location. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, they couldn't find any like physical evidence. And the one thing that they did have. They they thought that he had an accomplice was making that phone call because right. that's how he got the a lawyer to believe him to begin with. Like yeah. he couldn't make that phone call and be where he was at the same time. When the bomb went off, yeah, someone called in. Uh, the bomber called in. There's a bomb in Centennial Park. You have 30 minutes, and then hung up. And that was made from a payphone. Yeah, I guess they tracked. And so yeah, they determined that you know from the time that call was made and from when the bomb went off. It wasn't possible for Richard to have been at that payphone and then to have been where he was when it actually went off. And so instead of that clearing him, they decide, they decide no, that makes him an accomplice. Yeah. <laughs> that, that means he had an accomplice. And then he goes after his, you know, his friend that he, you know, is, is <laughs> his friend is a huge redneck. Even Olivia Wilde asked, uh, asked John Hamm. And she's like, really, an accomplice? And he's like, yeah, why not? Yeah. <laughs> like, like, that's that's the level that he's working his job. Yeah. And yes, and the movie is really, it's about him just trying to clear his name. That's the main thrust of the movie, him trying to clear his name. You know, also, because he wants to be in law enforcement so bad, he's he, really he's trying to be respectful and trying to give the law enforcement what they want. Really deferential to, to the FBI. Yeah. He, and that's when Sam Rockwell, the lawyer, comes in and just says, dude, stop talking. You don't talk. You I don't talk. T- yeah, you don't talk. I talk. <laughs> yeah, and Sam Rockwell is great. Yeah. And it's a lot of actors are doing some really good character work. And it's it, it makes it an absorbing drama. Yeah. I feel. Yeah. Overall, I enjoyed it. I mean, despite all the issues, so, some clear issues with the characters, it, I think it works as, as an absorbing dr- character based drama. Yeah. And Paul Walter Hauser is given a really great performance here. I thought like excellent performance. Yeah. And they did, you know, cutbacks to like the actual CNN interview with Richard Jewell. You see that the real, the real Richard, Jewell. Richard Jewell and they, they look identical. Yeah. Didn't have to lose the weight. No. Not, not like <laughs> not like the females in movies where they have to be a size zero. Right. Oh, no. This guy can be a size 45. Apparently, they originally wanted uh, Jonah Hill. This is going to be played by Jonah Hill. Um, he's he stayed on as a producer of this, but um, I'm glad that they that they got a more unknown type. I don't know how Jonah Hill would have played this. Yeah, it's it's hard to yeah. imagine that it would have been distracting. I feel. I, I'm also grateful that um, Clooney Eastwood didn't star in it because he usually likes to <laughs> yeah. star in his films, and I'm I'm grateful. We were we we were talking about just exactly a year ago. We were talking about the Mule. I know, and I hated the Mule. Uh, not not one of his best. <laughs> not one. No, I mean this. This is better. This was a lot better. I mean, Gran Torino was just, is my favorite. Sure, Clint Eastwood. He, he's movie. made some great ones, and he's made some real head scratchers. He's kind of all over the place, quality wise. But you know, honestly, like he's. He, I'm so surprised that he's still behind that camera. 
he's going to be 90 like, like next year. He's, yeah, he's quite a force of nature. I mean, I, I kind of wish that he would, you know, like maybe let go of the reins. <laughs> well, get a mentor and, and train, a, you know, somebody to take over for him or be behind the scenes, like a producer or, or he like. He clearly doesn't want to spend his later years just like, you know, sitting on a ranch, you know, watching, mm-hmm. watching the grass. He clearly likes being on set and going through this routine. I know that, but it's. It's, 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 it's remarkable. It's not an easy routine. <laughs> yeah, but the insurance on on him now is probably stupidly stupid r- ridiculously expensive because if he dies and if he's starring and directing in a movie, like it's done for. He, he makes all of his movies through Warner Brothers. He's had a deal with them for decades. So Warner Brothers is his home. I mean, they I think they know what they're getting into with yeah. him. He cranks again, I mean the the mule was in theaters exactly a year ago. I mean, that's that's fast. That that's. I mean, you're working. I mean, does you're he not have fast. a family that he can? You know, he's got a son that looks exactly like him. He's he goes from one project straight into the next, and I you got to respect that. Yeah. You know, some some of them are, are quite bad. <laughs> some of them are quite bad, but some of them are good. Yeah. I mean, he he can make Jersey Boys and American Sniper in the same year. You never know what Ooh. you're gonna get. <laughs> You, you never know. Why don't we take a quick break? When we come back, we'll get into spoilers for Richard Jewell. All right, we're back, and we're going to get into spoilers for Richard Jewell. There's not really a whole lot to spoil here. Because it is a true story. You can just Google it. Sure. Wikipedia it. He, he clears his name. I mean, it sort of climaxes in a sit-down yep. at the FBI headquarters, FBI office. Richard Jewell finally grows a pair. And he does. tells the FBI if they actually had a case against him. And the FBI was like, uh, 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 how did you survive? Uh, 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 uh. <laughs> he's, he's asking him all these questions and Richard Jewell's answering. And then like John Hamm loses his cool. Yeah. He's, he's like, how did you know, how did all these people get injured? You come off with no scratch or barely a scratch on how, you. How did you know to be in like the exact right place to not take any damage from this blast? And then, yeah, Paul Walter Hauser just looks at him and he's like, do you have an actual case against me? Yeah, that just kind of breaks John Hamm down. And that's, yeah. I mean, that's that's the tipping point. John Hamm comes by later, later in the film to like give them that official letter. He's like, I still think your client's guilty as hell. Yeah. Like, based on what? Based <laughs> like, on what? And what, then, what is your deal? And then actual four years down the line, somebody else... They find Confess. the guy. They find the guy. And- that was one thing that Richard Jewell said. He's like, what really bothers me is that you're spending all this time on me while the guy who actually did this could be planning another attack. Yeah. With all the surveillance, like with all the surveillance, with all the video cameras around now, I mean, they Harder. caught they they knew who the the Boston bomber was or bombers. Based off surveillance. Off of surveillance within probably four hours. I mean, thank God it's harder to like drop a bomb in, in a public place and get away with it. <laughs> That's that's not something that should be easy to get away with. <laughs> but it took the FBI years to zero in on this guy. This is back in 96, though. I mean, there was not a lot of technology. I mean, the internet was just coming I mean, into heyday. I mean, it's not like the 30s. I mean, you still had computers. No, but there, yeah, but there wasn't video surveillance. There wasn't anything like that. I mean, good thing they had Richard Jewell. Well, there you go. <laughs> I would probably give this movie... A B plus. 
A B plus? Sure. Yeah. Yeah, I'll give it a B. It's an absorbing drama. It is an absorbing drama, I guess. It, it pulls you in and it, it gets you to empathize with yeah. this guy. It pulls you into his drama. Yeah. Very it, well. It was a little long. Sure. I mean, it's like, yeah, like 130 something minutes. Yeah. 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 Let's tighten it up. But I'll say, like, you know, Clint's approach stylistic approach it never really changes movie to movie it's it's the same it's but he he's reliable right well his studios know what they're gonna get his approach is very straightforward and slow and steady yeah that all of his movies have that quality and sometimes it really works great for the material sometimes like with the mule you know it kind of works against the material (laughs) a little bit but here that uh, that kind of slow and steady approach i think it works it does work absolutely sometimes yeah sometimes it really works and yeah here's one of those examples um, so yeah, I think people should see it. And yeah, it's a solid, solid day movie. I mean, go see it before all the other blockbusters come out. See it before Star Wars, right? I mean, yeah. No one's going to do that. <laughs> <laughs> but no, yeah, if you're looking for like an alternative, uh, from like special effects stuff, this is a, this is a, a very solid drama. I would say that this movie could have been released on Netflix. One it's of, it's like one of those that would sure. be that w- probably would have gotten a higher viewage on Netflix. It's going to end up streaming. It's not like it's never going to end up, uh, you know, available for people to just press play in their home theater. But I'll tell you this: Warner Brothers, uh, they've been really striking out this year, big time with their adult dramas. And this movie, I think it cost like forty five million. This, I mean, it's not. Not like a cheap indie. Forty-five million is. I mean, you got to make some cash to get that back. Yeah, I, I, it'll and make I, it'll make that back. Clint Eastwood is a good bet. Yeah, even in the long term, if you don't get it back in the short term, he's a good long term bet. No yeah. question. Um, and that I think you know what you're saying. Uh, that is a question uh, that I think a lot of studio execs are going to be weighing more heavily mm-hmm. in the future it, because Warner is doing their own streaming service next year. And so yeah, it's like, is this movie is this theatrical worthy? Or is this like a premium video on demand type type title? I don't know how you make that choice. Yeah. Because <laughs> I'm seeing movies in theaters where it's definitely like, how did this end up in theaters? Yeah. But then you're seeing Netflix movies. It's like, oh my God, right. I would have loved to see this in theaters. Exactly. I'm seeing some streaming titles where it's like, why, why did I not have the option yeah. to see this in a theater? Um, so yeah, it's a, it's a weird time. And yeah, a movie like this. It, clearly, it's not a not a big draw. <laughs> would you consider this a good date night movie? Yeah, I would too. Yeah, yeah I would. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, this it, is, it, it leaves you having a conversation. I mean, you and I walked out, and I'm just like, oh, this. It stirs just up like, a conversation, and it's not really boring. No, I, I didn't think it was boring. I mean, you could you could say it's slow paced, it's a little long, whatever. But again, it's it's absorbing. Yeah, it pulls you in with the characters. And it's different with, the, I mean, you know, I guess this movie is because everybody knows the ending, right? So You kind I of mean, assume there's, there's the ending. There's not a surprise. You can assume because if the movie exists. Atlanta, you know the ending to this movie. Sure. Okay. I don't know if I knew the ending, but I could kind of assume how it was going to play out considering that they made a movie about it. That it was going to have some kind of... Well, I, I, you know, looking or like remembering 96 and like all the... I don't remember Richard Jewell as a kid. Exactly. Like you don't remember that name popping out at you. Like, you know, Timothy McVeigh and, you know, all of these other things. Right. Right. So you can assume he's not like an actual mass murdering psycho. Mm -hmm. Clint wouldn't make a heroic drama about that. (laughs) Unless he called it American Sniper. 
That's Richard Jewell, directed by Clint Eastwood. You can find more episodes at anchor.fm slash movie date night, as well as on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. We're on Twitter at DNMoviePodcast, and you can also email us at datenightmoviepodcast at gmail.com. Until next time, I'm Patrick. I'm Ashley. Thanks for listening. Bye.